0: The Absolute Surrender sermon series is a series that was uh, inspired uh, by, in my own heart, by a book that I read by Andrew Murray called Absolute Surrender. And uh, it took me many times reading that book to understand what the man was saying. Uh, It was also born out of a prayer, I think, that I prayed some years ago, and it uh, I journal my prayers I have I haven't lately but for a long time I did I have, I have to figure out how to sit down I forget I have to have these to move thank you. this is my assistant <laughs> and uh, so one of my prayers was whoever I am and whoever you see send down your spirit And create in me a heart that is clean and strong and pure, a soul redeemed and ransomed, sure of my place in your kingdom come, abandoning sin and delivered from the hand of the enemy who would destroy all that you in your grace employ. So whoever I am and whatever you see, send down your spirit and set me free from every remnant of sin and wrong. Plant in my heart a brand new song, that shouts its praise across the land as redeemed and restored by God's own hand. What you should have done was sunk it and not move it. Thank you, though. I'm sorry. I, the doctor told me that I could <laughs> preach if I'd prop my foot up. So, that's the... This series means a lot to me. And, uh... It means a lot to me. I've learned a lot from it. And so, hopefully... Uh, Perhaps there will be one more sermon in this series. But uh, this morning I want to recap because some of you have not been here for all of them and uh, I make it very easy. So you're going to see the bottom of my foot if you move the flowers. That's up, up to you. That's up to you. See my Crocs. Uh, I have to be able to slip the shoe off to slide my foot to move. So that's why I have these on today. But forgive me uh, for, being, for being in this position. Uh, but we began this series by looking at a man in the Old Testament whose name was Ahab. Ahab was a king. And uh, Ahab's kingdom was besieged by 33 other kings. And in the face of overwhelming force, uh, Ahab surrendered to the enemy with these words. He said in uh, uh, Second king, First Kings, 1 uh, Kings, where is it? Uh, Second Kings, 1 Kings, whatever it was. Uh, chapter 20, I believe it's 1 Kings chapter 20. Uh, verse 4, he said, It is according to your word, my Lord, O King. I am yours and all that I have. And that's the way this sermon series began, with that model of surrender. Although Ahab surrendered wrongly to the wrong individual, he should have made a surrender to God. He did make that surrender with those words. And those words form for us the model of what absolute surrender is. And then we looked at Jesus called to discipleship. In Luke chapter 14, and in Luke chapter 14, Jesus talked about two kings. One king who goes to war against another king. The one king has 10,000, and the other has 20,000. The one with 10,000 goes to the one with 20,000 and seeks terms of peace. The terms of peace are dictated by the greater king to the lesser king. And so Jesus said, So then, no one of you can be my disciple unless he is willing to give up all his own possessions. That's in Luke chapter 14, verse 33. And in response to that, you and I can only say to the greater King Jesus, it is according to your word, O Lord my King, I am yours and all that I have. We follow that up by looking at Peter and Peter's uh, great commitment that he made to the Lord Jesus. And yet, Peter was proved to have even in his great commitment as a disciple of the Lord Jesus. He thought, he measured up, I've left everything and followed you. But his commitment was proved inferior. And Peter needed something else. He needed something beyond that. And we saw that how on the day of Pentecost, Peter and the disciples were all radically changed. Two weeks ago on Mother's Day, I, we asked, how's that going to happen in me? And that's, the, that's the key question. What's going to change me or who is going to change me? And I shared with you the story, the prayer of absolute surrender. And that prayer was prayed by Mary when the angel Gabriel came to her and told her she was going to have a baby. And she said, how can this be? This is impossible since I'm a virgin. And he gave her the secret of how that miracle was going to happen in her life. He said, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. That was how that was going to happen in Mary's life. And in the simplicity and purity of her young heart, Mary said these words. She said, Behold, the handmaiden of the Lord, be it done to me according to thy word. In essence, she said, uh, Let the Holy Spirit come upon me. Let the power of the Most High overshadow me. Be it done according to your word. I am yours O Lord, my King, and all that I have, she yielded up her life in absolute surrender. Now, Andrew Murray described absolute surrender in these words, and hopefully there they are on the screen. Your Christian life is every day to be a proof that God works impossibilities. Your Christian life is to be a, a series of impossibilities made possible and actual by God's almighty power. That is what the Christian needs. He has an almighty God he worships and he must learn to understand that he does not need a little of God's power, but he needs the whole of God's omnipotence to keep him right and to live like a Christian. We think of the power of the Holy Spirit being present to do... Uh, we think of the power of the Holy Spirit to speak in tongues or the power of the Holy Spirit to preach a sermon or the power of the Holy Spirit to work a miracle. The miracle that you need and the miracle that I need is the power of the Holy Spirit that will come upon us and overshadow us and help us live right every day. day. will help me be a Christian husband. That will help me be a Christian man. That will help me be a Christian dad. That will help me just be the pastor that I, that I need to be. I need... All of God's omnipotence to help me live right and be right. But that lesson is a hard one to learn. And that's why I want to try to help you understand what it is that God has taught me. And quite often the way God chooses to teach us that lesson is, allow, is by allowing us to come to the end of our own resources and the end of our own strength. And uh, here's what I've come to discover. Only when I have come to the end of me am I ready to access... The fullness of God and God does that in a variety of ways and sometimes it's some wretched failure that comes into your life in your Christian life some humiliating sin that you committed that's something you thought you would never do but there you are you're the one guilty of it and he's brought you to the end of yourself you say how did God do that well he let you see yourself as only he can let yourself let yourself see you so this morning I want you to consider another person's journey Uh, to to the end of himself and the title of the message is when your very best is not enough and this is the journey of the Apostle Paul to absolute surrender and so uh, what we're going to be doing is we're going to look at uh, uh, some verses in just a moment and uh, but I want you to to uh, and the verses we're going to look at are going to show you how Paul came to the end of himself and uh, how ultimately he would utter a cry That would say, Oh, wretched man that I am, who will deliver me from this body of death? So, uh, see see if these words describe you for just a minute. You know that you are saved, but you're frustrated. You're miserable in your Christian life. You're not happy with yourself, and you sense that God is not happy with you. Sin has a grip on your life, and you know it. Instead of a gradual improvement in your Christian life, you seem to be sinking lower and lower and lower. Your heart seems to be growing darker and darker. You have tried and failed so many times that you almost fear to try again. You have done your very best, but that doesn't seem to be enough. You've asked, how can I break this habit? How can I live in victory over a certain sin? How can I walk? in obedience to God. And I hope to show you uh, these, the answer to these questions or to allow Paul to show you through his testimony. The verses on the screen are from the New Living Translation. I read them from the New Living Translation. My Bible is the New American Standard, but they're coming from the New Living because they're very easy to understand from the New Living. Follow along. It's on the screen. So the trouble is not with the law, for it is spiritual and good. The trouble is with me. For I am all too human, a slave to sin. I don't really understand myself. For I want to do what is right, but I don't do it. Instead, I do what I hate. But if I know that what I am doing is wrong, this shows that I agree that the law is good. So I am not the one doing wrong. It is sin living in me that does it. And I know that nothing good lives in me that is in my sinful nature. I want to do what is right, but I can't. I want to do what is good, but I don't. I don't want to do what is wrong, but I do it anyway. But if I do what I don't want to do, I'm not really the one doing wrong. It is sin living in me that does it. I have discovered this principle of life, that when I want to do what is right, I inevitably do what is wrong. I love God's law with all my heart. But there is another power within me that is at war with my mind. This power makes me a slave to the sin that is still within me. Oh, what a miserable person I am. Who will free me from this life that is dominated by sin and death? Thank God the answer is in Jesus Christ our Lord. So you see how it is. In my mind, I really want to obey God's law. But because of my sinful nature, I am a slave to sin. First, we're going to say three things. Four things about the Apostle Paul. First, I think we have to agree, Paul was a saved man. Now, if you're a student of Scripture and you look at Romans chapter 7, some people read these verses and they say, well, was Paul saved in Romans chapter 7? Or is this his life before he was saved? Paul was a saved man. I want to show you why I believe that's so. Uh, His testimony is that he delighted in the law of God in the inward man. You heard him say in those verses, I love God's law. With all my heart. The desire of his heart was to sincerely be the person God wanted him to be. And if you're a a sincere Christian, that's also the desire of your heart. You want to be the person that God wants you to be. Listen to what Paul says. In verse 15, he says, I want to do what is right. In verse 18, I want to do what is right. In verse 19, I want to do what is good. And again, in verse 21, he says, I want to do what is right. That was the deep desire of Paul's heart. His, the heart's, his heart's desire was to please God. But Paul, the saved man, with a desire to do what was right and to do what was good, was absolutely powerless to do so. So first we see Paul the saved man. Second we see in these verses Paul the powerless man. In verse 15, Paul said, The willing is present in me. But the doing of the good is not. I want to do what is right, but I don't do it. Instead, I do what I hate. Now, most of us can identify with those words because that fits where most of us are. We can say, and most people who study this passage of Scripture and come down on the, side, on the conclusion that the Apostle Paul was saved when he wrote these words... Uh, say that because that's their practical Christian experience. They feel sort of the same way. They have that same struggle, that tug of war always going on within them. I bet you have that tug of war going on inside of you. In verse 18 Paul says, I want to do what is right but I can't. In verse 19 he said, I want to do what is good but I don't. I don't want to do what is wrong but I do it anyway. In verse 21 he says, when I want to do what is right I inevitably do what is wrong. Paul set his mind to do what was right. He made up his mind to be good. He made up his mind to be holy. But he found himself powerless to do it. So is that what you've discovered in your life? And there are some people who will tell you that anybody can change. All you have to do is to have a positive attitude and to to take the steps to do it and to change your life, and you can change your life. It is not possible. You know what Jesus said? He said, no man, by taking thought, can add one cubit to his statue. No man, by taking thought, by worry, by thinking about it, can change one hair on his head from black to white. You just can't do it. Uh, and so Paul said the willing is present. I can will it, but I can't do it. And so if you look at this passage of Scripture again in Romans chapter 7, you can take note of the number of times that Paul uses the expression I Me or my. Uh, It was Paul's effort. It was Paul's energy. It was Paul's will. Paul did his best and Paul failed. Paul tried harder and Paul failed again. Failure after failure uh, uh, to be what God wanted him to be led Paul as a saved man to see that he was also a powerless man. He could not pull himself up by his own bootstraps. Uh, 37... Years ago, maybe about, I went to talk to Dr. Don Stewart. Many of you know Dr. Don Stewart, who's at William Carey College or was, and then later at New Orleans Seminary. He was at New Orleans Seminary when I went to talk to him. And I went into his office one day to talk to him, and I said, Dr. Stewart, I have done everything I know to do to help myself. And I just, uh, I can I, I, and I know that God, the Bible says, this was a young seminary student quoting the Bible. He, I said, I know the Bible says, that God helps those that help themselves. Haven't you read that in the Bible? No, you haven't. It's not in there. And that's what Dr. Stewart said. He said, Eddie, that's not in the Bible. He said, if you could help yourself, you wouldn't need God. Well, that was one great discovery that day. If I could help myself, I wouldn't need God. If Paul could have helped himself, he wouldn't have needed God. And if you could help yourself, you wouldn't need God. And so here is where Paul came to the end of himself. And this is a hard lesson to learn because God allows us to struggle in our own efforts until we reach the point of absolute defeat, till we come to the end of ourselves. And so Paul the saved man and the powerless man ultimately came to realize he was also Paul the wretched man. God showed him the darkness of his heart and his helplessness to free himself. And Paul cried out in chapter 7, verse 24, O wretched man that I am, Who will deliver me? He didn't ask, how can I deliver myself? He said, who will deliver me? I love to read my utmost for his highest. I'm not reading it this year, but I hardly go uh, a year without at least touching some part of it or reading it by Oswald Chambers. And in my utmost for his highest, Oswald Chambers wrote, If the Spirit of God has given you a vision of what you are apart from the grace of God, and He only does it when His Spirit is at work, you know there is no criminal who is half so bad in actuality as you know yourself to be in possibility. My grave has been opened by God. In other words, He opens the grave of the tomb of your own heart. The darkness of your own heart gives you a good look inside. And I know that in me that is in my flesh dwelleth no good thing. God's Spirit continually reveals what human nature is like apart from God's grace. Some of you who are struggling are struggling because God's allowing you to struggle until you come to see that you need to stop struggling and you need to put your hope and your confidence in Him. So, You've asked, How can I break this habit? How can I live in victory over a certain sin? How can I walk in obedience to God? And I've told you already the answer to that question, and I hope you're learning it. And it is that you cannot, you cannot break a habit. You cannot live in victory over sin. You cannot walk in obedience to God. And that's what Paul is trying to tell you. He could not, you cannot, I cannot. That deliverance has to come from outside of ourselves. And again, Paul didn't say, how will I rescue myself? He said, who will rescue me? And do you know where Paul found the answer? It was not in himself. It was not in his will. It was not in his strength. He said, oh, what a miserable person I am. In Romans 7, 24 and 25, who will free me from this life that is dominated by sin and death? Thank God the answer is in Jesus Christ, our Lord. Now, how can I break a sinful habit? Not I. But Christ. How can I live in victory over sin? Not I, but Christ. How can I walk in obedience to God? Not I, but Christ. How can I control my temper? How can I control my language? Not I, but Christ. How can I live a pure and holy life? Not I, but Christ. That's what Paul meant in Philippians 4:13, when he said, "I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me." That's what Jesus meant in John 15, when he said, "Without me, you can do nothing. When your very best is not enough, you need to try absolute surrender to the Lord Jesus Christ. You need to tell him about your weakness, which he already knows. You need to tell Him that you can't. Tell Him that you've tried and failed. Uh, Tell Him that you know that if you are ever to live the Christian life the way it ought to be lived, that He'll have to live it in you. Because the answer to your struggle is Jesus Christ. The answer to your addiction is Jesus Christ. The answer to your bondage is Jesus Christ. The answer to your anger is Jesus Christ. The answer to whatever it is in you that you can't get out of your life that's consuming you is Jesus Christ. If you ask Paul... How do I live in victory? This is what Paul would say. And it would be a familiar verse to you. Galatians 2, chapter 20. He would say, well, let me tell you, I have been crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live. Yet, not I, but Christ lives in me. And the life I now live, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave Himself up for me. That was the fourth verse. Paul that we want to look at. Paul, the delivered man. I, many of you probably heard of Hudson Taylor. Hudson Taylor is the founder of the China Inland Mission, a missionary to, the China, to China back in the 1800s. Uh, and so, uh, but Hudson Taylor, even as a missionary to China, found himself overwhelmed with a spiritual struggle. And I want to read an excerpt from a letter that he wrote to his sister. Uh, and this letter is found in the book Hudson Taylor's Spiritual Secret. And we'll talk about that in a moment. Taylor said, I felt the ingratitude, the danger, the sin of not living near to God. I prayed, I agonized, I fasted, I strove, I made resolutions, I read the Word more diligently, I sought more time for meditation, but all without avail. Every day, almost every hour, the consciousness of sin oppressed me, and I knew that if only I could abide in Christ, all would be well. But I could not. Each day brought its register of sin and failure and lack of power. To will was present with me, but how to perform it I found not. And then he asked this question. How could I preach with sincerity that to those who received Jesus, to them he gave the power to become the sons of God, in other words, God-like, when it was not so in my own experience? Instead of growing stronger, I seemed to be getting weaker and to have less less power against sin. There was nothing so much as I desired as holiness, nothing so much I needed, but far from any measure attaining it, the more I strove after it, the more it eluded my grasp. And he continued to struggle until one day, and you know, this is the way God works. Sometimes God will send you something that will just open your eyes And it wasn't a verse of Scripture. It was a letter from a friend. And in that letter from his friend, uh, Hudson Taylor found this one simple sentence that changed his life. And the friend said, how to get faith strengthened? Not by striving after faith, but by resting in the faithful one. And from that moment, Hudson Taylor began to live a different life. No longer was his life a struggle, uh, to be something he could not, but his life was yielded over in glad surrender to the one who could, through him, do all things. You can't live the Christian life. The Christian life is to be lived by Christ in you. As you yield up your life in dependence upon him and to live in his strength and... and, And in his power. And if you're a sincere believer, you know Hudson Taylor's struggle. You know the deep fatigue of soul that that comes from trying again and again and again to live for God in your own strength and failing time after time. All of this because you, uh, as a branch, were trying to do what only the vine could do. So, as Andrew Murray said, God wants to work impossibilities in and through your life. And the first impossibility he wants to work in you is to make you the person that he wants you to be, to create in you that clean, strong, pure heart, that, that heart that honors him, that heart that has a passion uh, for him. So you might be like Paul, you might be here today and be that person who's had a good picture of who you are, and that good pi- and you see it every day when you look in the mirror. Because you've committed enough sin and done enough wrong. Some of it nobody knows about but you. Some of it everybody knows about. And you are almost ashamed to slink in church and sit down and even attempt to try again. You look in the mirror and you see that dark person in that mirror. God has shown you your failure. But God in His mercy doesn't leave you there. That's the good news. God wants to change you. And God is the one who has the power to change you. You know, there's a... a, a powerful passage in First Corinthians. Paul wrote to the church at Corinth, and he told them. He said, "Look," he said, uh, uh, "You know, there's some, there's a whole long list of people who are not going to heaven: adulterers, uh, liars, effeminate, homosexuals." He listed the whole group, and he said, "Listen to this. Listen to this. Listen." And he said to the church at Corinth, And such some of you were. But you were sanctified. Something happened. You were so overwhelmed by sin, so caught in the grasp of sin, and then something happened to change your life. How deep and dark the sinner's heart before he comes to know the secret of the spirit's part to raise the wretched soul in full surrender. All must come to bow before thy feet and there by thee the work is done. Deliverance complete. Not I, but Christ, my soul now sings. I find my rest in thee and trust that thou wilt teach me things mine. eye could never see. O wretched man that I have been, defeated and defiled, the cross of Christ has canceled sin. My soul is reconciled. Confess your weakness. Come and yield yourself to Him today. Find Him alone your strength and shield. Surrender all today. Now cast away all doubt and fear and fall down at His feet. The terms of peace are all so clear, the victory there so sweet. Absolute surrender, yielding your life to God, saying, God, I have tried and failed and I can't. And now, Lord, I want to give myself to you for you to do what only you can do in and through my life. I want to pray with you. I don't think I'll be able to come down and stand at the front this morning, but I'm going to sit up here. And as we pray, I'm going to pray that God would lead some of you just to kneel and pray here at the front and say, God, I want to give my life to you. Maybe you've never trusted Jesus as your Savior. Uh, I'd love to talk to you. You can come up here on the platform. There's no shame in that. Or you could come here, and I'll try to get a little closer, and we can talk together. Whatever works for you. But please realize, as you're here today, whoever you are, if you're here for the first time, or you've been here every Sunday all your life, realize God has a work that only He can work in you, and He will work it when you give your life up to Him. It is according to your word, my Lord, O King. I am yours and all that I have. Would you pray with me? Lord, please, for these folks who've listened today and been so patient to hear me, It's not about, Lord, what I have said. It's about what you want to accomplish in their lives. And, Lord, we are all strugglers, every one of us. We are all broken people. And, Lord, you can wash away brokenness. You can sanctify the most unclean life and make that life holy. Paul said, of all sinners I am chief. And yet he was changed and transformed by your mighty power. Transform our lives and make us, Lord, shining lights in the midst of this dark world. In Jesus' name, amen.